women need other women. We just do. My husband does not understand my emotional side. He just doesn't get it. And he loves me in spite of it. But I have finally found somebody who got it and allowed it. That I'm allowed the space and the freedom to be who I am. And so that was being ripped away as well. So, so yeah, that made my grief that much deeper. And so I had to figure out how to deal with that on this side of things. Welcome back to the Prepare Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Hanton. Listeners, thank you for being patient as we took a little hiatus during the month of July. But we're back and we're about to finish up this series on grief, looking at grief from all different walks of life from all different types of people, all different types of situations. And on the episode today, I want to welcome back my best friend, Jill Snelson. Now you might remember Jill from doing a podcast back during the pandemic. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, you'll want to check that out as well. But today, Jill and I want to share our journey through our friendship and the grieving process that we had to go through when I moved away. So I hope you enjoy this episode with my best friend, Jill. Welcome back to the Prepare Podcast, Jill. Hey, Heather. Thanks. Okay, so listeners, you will have already heard Jill's story. She was on the podcast during the pandemic. And you want to go back and listen to that because there's some great things in that podcast. But I mentioned before, Jill is my best friend. Jill and I have an interesting story and an interesting journey that we have been on since we became friends. And we have only been friends for seven years, seven years. It feels like it's been longer than seven years. We were supposed to have been friends from birth, I think. Right, exactly. So you're 40. I'm 47. We met seven years ago. Okay, yeah. That just tells you how much of our lives that we spent not knowing one another, not even knowing. I didn't even know you existed until I moved to Florida. Yeah, it's kind of a sad thought, isn't it? It is a little bit. And we're going to come back to that, too, because we're doing this series on grief. And there's some grief even in that, even in like we should have known each other since we were kids. 100 percent. Like we should have been sharing life together already. We jumped in like late in the game when you think about it. When you think about it, like you make friends in preschool, in nursery school, and like all of your childhood is made up of friends. And I moved around my entire life. And as as an officer's kid, I didn't. Right, which is totally different than me. But I have lived in so many different places, having to start over, making new connections. I don't know any of my grade school friends. I know very few, maybe one high school friend because I went to three different high schools. That's crazy. But um, definitely don't expect to make lifelong friends as an adult or as deep of friendship as this is as an adult. Yeah, it's rare. Yeah. So going forward with what we're going to talk about, I just want to stop and say how incredibly thankful I am that the Lord brought us together as friends and that we, I mean, okay, so here we go. Here's our journey. Okay. So let's, let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. Okay. Here we go. (laughs) Okay. We have to start by mentioning the girls because it was them. Oh yeah. It was the girls. 100%. Completely. So 
my husband and I transferred from Detroit, Michigan to the Tampa area, Tampa, Florida. Now, listeners, if you don't know about the Salvation Army, the Salvation Army is sectioned off into territories. So you have the Western Territory, you have the Central, the Southern, and then the Eastern Territory. And most of my formative years, 30 of my formative years were spent in the Central Territory. Jill, how long have you lived in the Southern Territory? My entire life. Do you know a lot of people outside those borders? No, I don't. And I've spent all but eight years of my life in Atlanta. Right. So I really, yeah, no, I don't know people outside of the territory very much. And that's, that's kind of how it works. Like if you are a part of the Salvation Army Church and you live in a certain territory, you know people from your territory, but you don't know very many people from other places because you associate, you go to territorial events, you go to camps, you go to retreats, but they happen within your territory. So that just, I just want to give everybody a clue as to how foreign it was for me to move to a new territory as an adult and not know anyone. And how it's strange, like on the receiving end, there's some new person here and we're like, who are you? (laughs) Exactly. Like I was just going to say that, like now I have to break in to all of these already established relationships. So when I got down to, to Florida in 2014, I, I didn't know a lot of people And I just prayed, Lord, I just want a friend. Can you just give me one friend? That's all I need. (laughs) And I get a phone call from my friend, Bernie Dake. Hey, have you thought about trying out for the Southern Territorial Songsters? And I'm like, where do I sign up? So I sent in my audition tape. I made the group. But you weren't there yet. Well, I had taken a leave of absence because of my kids. Right. But I felt like God was already answering my prayer. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've made all these connections with all these wonderful people. And they're my friends now. Thank you, Lord. And it's like in your thing. It's singing. It's like you're living your best life. Right. So now it's the next year. And we had met now. We've already met one time because you joined the group. And we kind of connected a little bit. A little bit. I remember like noticing there was somebody new because again, I had been out of the group your first year. So when I came back, I remember going, I don't know who this is. (laughs) I don't know who this person is. Right. Okay. So now the Territorial Songsters have been asked to go to TMI and we knew each other. We were friends, but not like close. I would say we were acquaintances at that point. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And my daughter, Taryn, comes back from being in childcare, and she was like, Mom, can we please have Abby over for a play date in our, to our room? And I was like, Abby who? She was like, I don't know. I don't know her last name or what. <laughs> but she's I my- can totally picture Taryn doing this, too. I don't know her last name. Yeah, she was like, but she was like, Mom, she is my new best friend. I love her, and I want to have a play date with her. So I'm like, okay, well, I got to find out who this Abby person is. Well, meanwhile, you then came up to me and said, hey, Abby wants to play with Taryn. Yeah, Abby connected with your daughter, Taryn, and she wants to have a play date. I'm like, oh, good. Now I know who this person is. I mean, that's how little we knew about each other. I didn't even know that your kids were Abby and Isaac. Yeah, I had no idea. I mean, I knew once Abby pointed Taryn out to me, oh, okay, she belongs to Heather. All right. Yes, we can we can play with this girl. Right. <laughs> She's safe. So you invited me. You said, bring the kids over to my house. I'm having a few other people over and we'll just, you know, we'll hang out together. Yeah. So I did. 
And we just started talking and we learned that we had so much in common with one another. Honestly, it was jolting to me. Yeah. That time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the rest is history. Like we can thank Taryn and Abby for bringing us together because if it weren't for them wanting a play date, I don't know if we would have ever connected like that. Well, there wouldn't, I mean, I don't know how it would have happened because we only saw each other like what, three times a year. Right. And you are not a phone person like I am. No. So it, I mean, it would not have been the same. So really it's the girl's fault. (laughs) (laughs) It's all their fault. And I mean, they talk about instant friends. They were instant friends. Yes. And still are today. Yeah. Best (laughs) friends. So now we are like, why didn't we meet 30 years ago when we were younger? When we were kids. Why are, why? so much life. Why haven't you been there for it? And we ask ourselves that question all the time, all the time. And even though like we we did see each other more once we became like really close. Then we started doing family things together. You guys would come down to Florida. We came up to Georgia, just, you know, spending more friendship time and not just yeah. songster time. Right. Because at that point you only lived eight hours away from me. Right. Atlanta to Tampa is only eight hours away. Taryn and yeah. I could just hop in the car and come and surprise you for your birthday, which we did. <laughs> that was like... Other than my last, this like most most recent (laughs) birthday, that was the best ever. Yeah. Surprise. We're here. Yes. Um, Yeah. But then my husband gets a call from Chicago and says, hey, why don't you come on back up to the Central Territory? (laughs) And so, and at this point, as soon as my husband, Tom, mentioned the words moving, I was immediately against it. Like, I'm like, no, I'm. I'm not going. I'm not going. You can pry me off of this floor. I am not leaving. Because I felt like, Lord, you gave me all these people in my life. And now you're asking me to give them up? Because it was only, what, three years for me and you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For you and I, it was only, right, it was only three years into our friendship. And I was like, you gave me this. You gifted me this, these relationships and this, especially this friendship. And now you're asking me to, to leave it behind and move and... I was devastated, literally devastated. And so my grieving process began in that moment. Yeah. Because I knew, I knew that even before we even accepted the position, I knew where his heart was. I knew he wanted it. And so we prayed and prayed about it. And, you know, I was like, okay, this is it. Like I'm moving. And so I had to call you and tell you. And I couldn't, I picked up the phone like three or four times to talk to you about it. And I couldn't because I'm like, she is not, she's not ready for this. And, you know, like me already starting my grieving process, which you hadn't seen. Well, yeah. And I think it's important to point out here. And I think this is a whole part of the whole point of this is that we process and grieve things so differently. So even if we had been talking on the phone, I didn't have a clue how you were thinking and feeling because you compartmentalize things and you can put things away. I do. And I cannot do that at all in any way, shape or form. So I had no idea that anything was happening with you. No, you, you had no idea. No. So I said, okay, Taryn and I are going to get in the car. (laughs) We're going to go surprise Jill for her birthday. He's like, and so then I had to, 
I had to come clean and tell you that yeah. we were in conversation and talking about this very thing. How did you feel about that when I told you that? Well, I think at the very, very first, I think I was excited at first because I knew how much Tom wanted this mm. and I knew what that meant to him. And I just, at that point was, this is amazing for your family. This is what your husband has wanted. And, you know, this is, I wasn't thinking about what that meant for me until not so long later. Yeah. It didn't take too long for me to start realizing, well, hold on a minute, hold on. Because even though Tampa is obviously not next door to me, like you said before, I mean, we were in the same territory, so we're seeing each other like TMI was a given. We were both on staff and, right. you know, that was the thing. And, and the songsters, like that was a given. We were, we were going to see each other. And then all of a sudden I realized, Whoa, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I don't know how I feel about this. Right. <laughs> and I went into a pretty big downward spiral really mm-hmm. fast. Yeah. You were trying to be supportive. I knew that you were not okay, but I knew you were trying to keep it together for me. But I knew deep down, I'm like, this is not going to go well. (laughs) This is not going to go well. Well, and I think too, like, I think it's important to differentiate here. I have had some pretty serious things happen with friendships in my life. Mm -hmm. And I've had some pretty deep hurt throughout my life. Mm -hmm. and. It's hard to talk about sometimes because I feel like people won't understand what we have here. This is like, I, I feel like the the friendship that you and I have, I liken it to Jonathan and David in the mm-hmm. Bible where their friendship was a covenant friendship. Yeah. It was not just, oh, this is my friend. You know, it was a very different, it was a different level of friendship. For sure. So after coming through everything that I have been through with, friendships in my life, this God gift of a friendship that literally just fell into my lap one day, Mm -hmm. I felt like it was being ripped away from me because even though, you know, Tampa is eight hours away, all of a sudden you're going to Chicago, you may as well be in Korea. Right. Exactly. (laughs) It is really the world. I know. I I don't know how to explain it to people who are not in the Salvation Army. Like, it yeah. is, it is literally feels like that. It feels like, nope, you've crossed over the Mason Dixon line. Because that's the dividing line, isn't it? That's like, okay, you're no longer in my world. Yeah. And I think what, for me, that was the thing. And I had no idea how to deal with that. Just none whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. at that point too, and this is the next section that I, I want to get into is you helped us get moved up here. We were in the process of finding a home. It's the middle of July and I have to start my new job and I have, we are looking for a house. I've got to get the kids registered for school at some point, you know, like all of these things were happening in my life. My life just literally was turned upside down and, and everything was spinning where I didn't really have time to sit and grieve. Like I had to pick up, I had to do all these things. I had to all of a sudden I'm, I'm like, kick it into high gear and, f- and I got to figure out my life. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about when you left Chicago and you came back home, how are you feeling at that point? Well, I think so that 
the road trip up was a doozy Mm -hmm. and it took a little bit to process everything that happened on that road trip. Yeah. So when I got on the plane to go home, it was not only processing the fact that I was leaving you in another world and you were no longer in my world. It was also processing what had just happened on this road trip, which was very significant Mm -hmm. in, in terms of, of our friendship. Like, you know, it it was essentially our biggest, our first fight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the only thing that I've ever known up to this point is you have a fight with a friend like that. That's the end of the friendship. Yeah. But I was not willing to let that happen. And I think you were in the same place. I think you thought this is it. Like we're done now. Like we had a good run (laughs) and now it's over. And so I think I was reeling from that as well, because that's the first time that the idea of covenant friendship came to me Yeah, Mm -hmm. was that morning that I had to get on that plane because I had to, I mean, I was praying through the same things like, okay, Lord, seriously, you just gave me this friend for three years. And now not only are you ripping her away from me out of my world, but now like legit, she's gone. Like, we're going to be done now. Like that just doesn't make sense. And that was the first time that, I mean, I really feel like the Lord gave me the idea of this Jonathan and David type of covenant friendship. So getting on the plane home, I had so much stuff happening in me and I also had to help my daughter. Right who was with me, try and process her feelings, which is very difficult for her. Because while you and I were going through this, we are also helping our daughters go through this at the same time. Yep. So there was like a lot of multifaceted things happening. And I honestly just felt like my heart was ripped in into a million pieces. Yeah. Knowing that we couldn't just hop in the car and be at each other's for dinner. For dinner. Yeah, Yeah, right. Right now we're look instead of an eight hour trip, we're looking at a 12 hour trip, yeah. you know, yeah. the, the effort that it's going to take to yeah. stay in each other's lives, to be present, physically present in one another's lives. Yeah. And honestly, there was a part of me that was terrified. You know, I'm willing to put the effort in, but she's having to rebuild her entire life. So, you know, A, is she going to want to, and B, am I worth her effort? So, and you are, and you were, (laughs) you were then too, you've always been worth it. But, and again, this was new for me because I have, like I said before, I have had to stop and restart my life hundreds of times moving around my entire life. And while yes, I did make friends, it was like, I had to prepare myself that these people are no longer going to be in my life. So I cannot get close to them. I cannot get close to them. Um, but when when we first started our friendship, at that point, we were expecting to stay in Florida until we retire. Like, we were good. Like, we were set there. Good plan. I know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this was out of the blue for us, too. This friendship yeah. was out of the blue. This friendship was new territory for me that I just did not know how, how to go deep. I really didn't. Other than my husband... That's, that's the deepest relationship and my relationship with the Lord, obviously, but that's the deepest friendship that I had up until this point. And I'm just going to be totally honest with you. And I've said this before, you wear your heart on your sleeve 
you there's not really a time when you don't know how you feel, what kind of mood you're in. I'm incredibly emotional. You I are. am a very emotional person. And there's yes. nothing wrong with that. Let's just pause and say right now, I'm not criticizing that in any way because I think it's beautiful. I think it's part of you. Yes. I am very much, you know how I'm feeling when I'm feeling it. Like anybody, like I'm, I wear my heart on my sleeve for better or for worse. Yep. Um, and I can't compartmentalize anything. Um, oh, I've gotten really so- good at that. Yeah, really you're very good. good at it. In fact, you've called me several times when you're going through a crisis or something and something horrible happens to you. You're like, tell me how to do this. I don't know how to do this. Tell me how to compartmentalize so I don't have to feel like yeah. this. Yeah, but that's not always good either, people. It's one of the things that I love and hate about you the most because, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that's one of the ways that we both make each other better. Is and we're both learning from each other in those yeah. areas, but for sure, for me, it it looked to me like you're not bothered by what is happening here. No, that's so not true. That was one of the hardest things I think for me, and I had to learn over time. And I think you know, honestly, I'm still learning that we just process things so differently, right? And I love you for that. But sometimes on this end, especially like you said, being left yeah, and my life being at the same as it was, that's, that was very hard to deal with at the time. And there are still days now where that is very hard for me. Right. Because at this point, there's people in your life that you just call up and you're like, Hey, can you just come over? I just want to talk to you, you know? And so I would get texts from you. Like, why can't you just live down the street from me? I just yeah. need you to come over and sit on my couch and have a cup of tea with me. Yeah. And that was, that's, that is your norm. And that is so not my norm because my life, I don't think I've ever been in a place where I've had someone that I could just call up and say, Hey, come over. And those of you who know the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram too. And I am a helper. So I am the one that helps not the other way around. Like I don't ask for help, right? I give the help and Mm -hmm. you are a four. Is that right? Is that true? Or you're all over the place. (laughs) I really am. I don't, I'm either a two or a four. I think it depends on the day. I'm one of the two. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody out there who can help me figure out what my Enneagram is. Let me know. (laughs) I'm either a two or a four, both of which are very, this is the heart triad and they're both very emotional. Right. But I felt helpless in that way that I couldn't, I couldn't just jump in my car and come and see you. And that for me was a instant moment of grief. That I could not fulfill that part of our friendship for you. I could not be that help to you. Now, am I a phone call away? Absolutely. Am I a FaceTime away? Absolutely. But that was, I I grieved not being able to fulfill that to help you in that moment. Because that's how you love people. Yeah. Being, just being able to sit on the couch with you and, or give you a hug. Yeah. It's, it's a whole different thing than, than talking to somebody over FaceTime. And to be honest with you, Jill, there are times when that is why I don't answer the phone is because I don't I don't feel like I can give my space right now uh, over the phone. Right. And that brings up grief all over again. That just is the trigger. It's like, OK, I'm grieving this all over again. And as you know, with any grief process, grief, it rears its ugly head when it feels like doing that. And there's <laughs> no rhyme or reason to it. There is no rhyme or reason and I received texts from you, like just going, I don't know how to explain this, but this is where I am. Yeah. yeah. But it does. It just, it comes around. It just keeps coming around. And yes, 
it does lessen over time. But there was a conversation that you and I had before I left. And you were trying so hard to be okay with everything, with me going. And I finally was like, in my head, while you're talking to me, you know what? She's never going to be okay with this. I might, in 10 years, I might get to a place where my grief is different and it's lessened and I, I can function and I can do this. But Jill might not ever be there. Because at that point, I'm moving to Chicago. I might never come back. Yeah. We're here now and the Lord is using us here. And and I guess we should also say that like we really felt called to come to Chicago. We felt like the Lord led us here, yeah. you know, and we're we're three years in post pandemic. Like we moved here and six months later we were in the pandemic. So don't even get me started about that grief. <laughs> um, and I think for me, I knew that. I knew right. that you guys were being called there. I knew that this was something that the Lord had for your family. I did. I wanted to be supportive of you following the Lord's call in your life because ultimately that's what matters. Right. Ultimately right. that is how we should live our lives. And right. I had to come to a point and I'm still three years, three years later mm-hmm. coming to a point of being able to say, father, you're the giver of good gifts. Right. And this is a good gift. So I have to trust that this is still from you. And even though you're up there on the other side of the world. Right. It feels um, like it. Yeah. So while I was devastated, I still wanted to be supportive. And and again, it was, I can't compartmentalize. Everything is, you know, spaghettied together. And so it was a constant fight back and forth of, no, I need to be supportive, but no, this hurts so much. And my poor husband, I mean, oh, oh my gosh. gosh, my poor husband got more than he probably ever <laughs> signed up for. <laughs> my wife is an emotional basket no, case. <laughs> no, he loves you. He does. But I remember having that conversation with you and realizing meeting you where you were and putting what I needed in that moment aside and just being like, okay, Jill, you might never be okay with this. And you, there was dead silence on the phone. Yeah, I remember. You were like, Heather, that's it. Thank you for giving me the freedom to yeah. not be okay. And I feel like that, that itself was a turning point for yes. us as well. Yes. You know, like I had to then accept that I might be like in a different stage of grief where you might never be in the same stage as me. Right. right. And that's fair. And, and I think for me at that point, no one had ever said anything like that to me. And I think that that's one of the bigger things about our friendship is you have always given me the space and the freedom to be who I am, Mm. whatever that means, which for most people is too much, too Mm. emotional or too deep. And, you know, that's the feedback that I always, that I've always gotten. And so that's what I was always expecting. Yeah. Um, but then you come along and I can be who I am just without abandon. And the only other person that I've ever been able to be like that with is my husband. Right. And so I think that in and of itself made my grief that much deeper because we'll hold on, hold on. I've, because I mean, Our marriages are fantastic. Husbands, they're wonderful. But there is a difference when you have, you know, women need other women. They do. Just how it is. And I love my husband. 
I am 100% committed to my husband, Same. but women need other women. We just do. My husband does not understand my emotional side. Right. He just doesn't get it. And he loves me in spite of it. Right. Um, but I have finally found somebody who got it and allowed it. And that it's very strange to me that I'm allowed the space and the freedom to be who I am. And so that was being ripped away as well. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, that made my grief that much deeper. And so I had to figure out how to deal with that on this side of things. Right. 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 And, and when we were forced into the pandemic six months after moving here, we had only gone to see one another one time. Yep. And so now we're in this pandemic and our states are closed. Like I am not allowed to get on a plane or even drive to your, your state without having to go through all of this stuff. You all remember, you all remember what it was like when COVID first came out and everything shut down. It was like, do not leave your house. Yep. Let alone get in your car and go get groceries or go get, you know, go to Georgia for crying out loud. Well, yeah, because Illinois was like, you can't come back. Exactly. Without a, what, two-week quarantine or something crazy? Right. Yeah. So we then were forced into our own, like, quarantine, friendship quarantine. Yeah. Um, We had made all these plans about, like, you even made me promise before, (laughs) before leaving Chicago after we first got up here, you were like, I just need to know, I need a commitment from you that we are going to make a plan. You yep. know, like in, in how many months, like, what are we looking forward to? What's the next thing that we can carve yeah. out the time and make it happen? Like, that's important to you. Mm-hmm. And so like, we already started making plans and all those plans were thrown in the trash and that rushing halt. Yeah. And it was devastating because then there's this, there's grief again. Like now I have to grieve this. Now I have to grieve not being able to, to be in the same room with my best friend. I don't. You even were like, am I ever going to see you again? I'm so afraid that I'm never going to see you again. Because we didn't know. We could not foresee what the future held as far as COVID was concerned. Nobody knew. Right. And it brought all of it up. Again, it was like, it was like ripping off a scab and making that wound bleed all over again. Yeah. Because you going up to Chicago was still fresh at that point. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, Okay. So now fast forward, now we're three years past me leaving. It's, um, what are we in? It's July. It's exactly three years have gone by. And where are we now? I'll let you go first. (laughs) Okay. So I feel like as far as like the grieving process, where I am now is I am at the acceptance phase. I know grief is not linear. I know the stages of grief. Acceptance is one of them, but acceptance with a caveat, with an open end, because again, there are still triggers for me. There are still things that, that I mourn and I grieve over not having any more in my life. So I've really, I'm here at this acceptance phase because, and the Lord just keeps smacking me in the face with things. Okay. He keeps saying to me, Heather, why, why won't you let me have this part of your life? Like, why haven't you still not given over to me your friendship with Jill completely? I gave you this friendship. Why are you not then trusting me with it? Trusting me that it's going to be okay. And I mean, I even said those words to you. It's going to be okay. Right. Yep. But so even 
three weeks ago, I'm sitting in church and our pastor, he's speaking about this Korean missionary who found himself falsely accused and put into a prison. And he was in a, in a like hundred square foot cell with 85 men in one toilet. And he didn't know how long he was going to be there. He didn't know anything. He just knew he needed millions of dollars to make bail and, and get out of prison to go to trial. So here he is in this cell and he's, he's trying to fix everything on his own. And we're talking like now 50 days in. And one of the guys must have heard him say something because he came up to him and said something like, hey, aren't you a minister? Aren't you a pastor? Sing us a song. So the first song that came to him was God is so good. And so he started singing and the, and the other men in the cell knew that song. And so they started singing with him. And then a couple days later, he came back up to him and said, sing us a different song. And so he sang, how great thou art. And the men in the cell, I guess, knew the words to that song. And so they were singing. And this missionary said, God met me in that prison cell and said, this is where your missionary work starts in Korea. And I was like, oh, okay, Okay, Lord. But I still am grieving. I'm still in a grieving phase of leaving things I loved that I thought were going to be mine forever. That I thought were just going to be there. Yeah. I'm still there. I'm still grieving that. But God was like, why do you think this is a prison? This is not a prison. Why aren't you letting me use you? Right where you are. Yeah. You have still not given everything over to me. And so I was just like completely convicted. I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm going to give you this grieving process and let you have it. And he literally, God has, has turned my heart inside out since that moment. And I am seeing things differently. I'm seeing things even more clearly. And that's where I am right now. So where are you? Ha ha. You get to go now. I, I get to. Oh my, God. <laughs> um, my life has changed significantly. I have new things that require all of my attention. Right. For those of you who don't know Jill, she is right now in the throes of becoming a midwife. So talk about um, right. taking up all of your time. Right. And so I think honestly, Part of what made it so difficult for me was I didn't have something to fill up my time. When you left, I was a stay-at-home mom homeschooling my kids and I didn't have a job. I didn't have, you know, things outside of the house. So literally everything was the same. And that made it a million times worse, I think, because I was comfortable in what I was doing and I was you know, I didn't really have to think much about going through my day. And so my grief was able to literally overtake and overshadow everything. Yeah. But in November of 2020, I started back into my home birth midwifery journey. And then it really, really took off August of 21. Mm -hmm. And so I think it has been that I think my midwifery has been a massive gift from Mm -hmm. the Lord it has brought people into my life. It has brought new things to keep my mind occupied. Yeah. And so I think that has been one of the things that honestly has helped me deal with my grief of, you know, quote unquote, losing you. Yeah. And it's different. Can I just push the pause for a second? It's when you said losing me, it's not 
it's different for people who are grieving someone who is no longer physically here on earth. Like they have passed on. Oh yeah. You've lost me in a different way because I'm still alive. I, I I'm still here and there's, you can like look forward to actually seeing me. Right. Yes. And it's interesting that you say that because yes, I lost you in that sense. Today is my brother's birthday mm. and I lost him to a plane accident 22 years ago. Right. And that is a completely different kind of grief. I'll never see him again until we get to heaven. Right. So losing in the sense of losing, yes, it's two very different things. And I think that is important to distinguish, but you know, at this point now where I am, I think it waffles overall in general. I think I'm probably accepted. This is where it is. I don't like it. I hate it. Mm -hmm but I've accepted it. But there are still days where it hits again Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm feeling the weight of it. And it's really, really hard for me. And I think the times that that it's like that the most is if we miss like a Tuesday check-in for me, it's important to have, have a plan. Like I know I'm going to have this to look forward to, or I'm going to have, you know, I I just got to get through to here. For me having like, okay, I know that once a week we have a dedicated time where we're going to sit down, we're going to check in with each other. And this is what's happening because I do have friends. My friend, Holly, I love her. She is, she's my student midwife bestie. Mm -hmm. And we literally talk multiple times a day as much as like, that is something that I would want with you. That's just, it's just not possible. Right. Our lives are totally different. Our Mm -hmm. schedules are, I mean, just logistically, our schedules are totally different. Plus it's not who you are. And I know that, Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Just like you give me the freedom to be who I am. I give you the freedom to be who you are, but there are times where it's like, man, I just want to pick up the phone and just say, oh my gosh, I just had this thought or holy moly. I just saw this thing and it was ridiculous and you need to know about it. (laughs) That is not something that is feasible here. What I have learned over the course of time and through my grief is that that doesn't make our friendship any less important to each other or any less meaningful or deep or, or, you know, whatever. It's just the parameters of our relationship, because at the end of the day, my friendship with you does not hinge on talking to you every single day. Right. And it took me a long time to get there. And there are still days where I'm not sure that I'm there, Mm -hmm. but it is definitely something that I am more and more comfortable with. And I think part of that is because the Lord has brought me back into midwifery. So I really think that has done a huge number on my healing of my grief with your leaving. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that I have, I've noticed just a huge change in even our conversations that we have and you don't have as much isolation time. I guess is a good word for it. Yeah. Because now I understand more of where you were then. Right. I'm either at a birth or in a prenatal or at a postpartum or doing school or prepping for one of those things that I just don't have the time to sit in my grief like I did. And can I just say, like, I've always thought you were super mom, always. But now I'm like, you are killing it. 
You are yeah. thriving right now in all of the things that you do. Literally, Jill, I know you don't see it in yourself and you'll deny it and you'll be like, you're crazy. But I see it as your as your best friend. What do we call it? BFP, best friend privilege. I get to say that I see that in you. I see you thriving through all of this, which just leads me to know that what I have prayed for you, and maybe I've never told you this, but ever since I moved, I've just been praying that God would grant you what you needed to get through all of this grief that we've had to walk through. And this was his, this was God saying, I, this is the answer to your prayer. It, yeah. And it came out of nowhere because I didn't, I didn't even know you wanted to do that. I mean, I know you've always been in the midwifery yeah. world. world. You've yeah. always loved it. You've always been a part of it. Now you're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it gets crazy. Yeah. But I God know. was like, yeah, I know I've got this. I, I've got this under control. You just need to be patient and wait. Yeah. Yeah. And I just had to get to the point where I was ready to accept all of that. For sure. Because at the very beginning, I wasn't, I was not okay. I was very, if I'm going to be like brutally honest, I was just angry yeah. with a lot of it. But I don't feel like the last three years of you being in Chicago and being, you know, on the other side of the world, I don't feel like that has changed the the richness of our friendship. Right. I think if anything, it's brought us closer together in ways that I don't think we really would have necessarily foreseen right. or been able to happen if you stayed in Florida. Right. Exactly. I mean, talk about you need to we needed to be intentional about yeah. making this work. Right. And, and I think that that's that's where the Lord keeps bringing me back to the idea of covenant friendship. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's a choice that we have to make. I mean, it would be very, very easy for us to just grow apart. Yeah. And I think it's the intentionality that we have spoken yeah. out loud to each other that I think makes, makes all the difference. And, and it's interesting too, because our families see it. Yeah. Right. Our families know, and our husbands know, and our kids know. And, yeah. and because of that, you know, our girls are intentional with each other and they're learning what true friendship looks like and how that really works and how to support each other through their grief right. of, you know, having to go through the same thing that you and I are going through yeah. and that it's okay. Yeah. And how to accept each other where they are in their different places. Because I think the girls mirror us in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Taryn is in a different place than Abby is in. And it's not a bad thing. It's right. what it is. And it's okay. And you love people where they are and you accept people where they are. Right. It's work, but it's work that we are willing to put in because we care and because yeah. of where we are as friends. And we, we want this to work. And so we are going to yeah. put the effort in whatever that looks like. I feel like one day you're going to wake up and you're going to be like, seriously, what have I been thinking for the last few well, years? I'm telling you right now, though, that's the difference. That's the difference because I'm still in it. Like, no matter what you do, if you call me tomorrow and say, I hate your guts or whatever, I'm like, okay, but I'm still, I'm still here. I'm still in it when you're ready to come yeah. back. And what an, our friendship is an awesome picture of how God loves us. Yeah. Even when yeah. we turn our back on him. He still is there and he's, he's like, okay, well, when you're ready, when you're ready, I'm here. It's a choice. Right. Love is a choice that we choose to make every day. It's not something that we just take for granted. Right. And like you said, this is work, mm -hmm. any relationship, any type of relationship that you're in, whether it's a marriage or a friendship or a work situation or a 
whatever it takes work. And I think that's where the rubber meets the road here in that there are friendships that are worth investment in that work. Yep. Looking back on our whole friendship and looking back on, you know, where we started and where we are today, everything that we have come through, everything that we've like experienced and whatnot. I think one of the things that I appreciate the most outside of the fact that you give me the freedom to be me is that no matter like what situation you're going through, you are constantly showing Jesus to me Mm. all the time. And I mean, I know we joke, uh, you know, about you're, you're the first person to pray for people. Um, (laughs) which (laughs) is great. You know, it's a good joke, but it's true. And it's something that I know that I can rely on. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I know if I say, Hey, X, Y, Z is happening. I need you to pray for this. I know that you're going to do it. And I also know that you are not afraid to be like, okay, hold on. We need, we need to think about it this way or, you know, yeah, this is what's happening with you. And yeah, you're feeling like this, but did you look at it this way? And you're not afraid to challenge me, which I need and appreciate, but it's always through a Jesus lens, which is something again, that is not a normal occurrence for me. I've not had many people be willing to do that in my life in a consistent, intentional way. Right. So it's not just that you're my best friend. It's that you are every day showing Jesus to me in a million different ways. And that's something that I, I can't, can't put a price tag on that. Hmm. So I just love you. Now, if you would come back to the South. Every day she's like, um, so when are you moving to Atlanta? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I send you house listings and they are for houses that are right next door, but, Mm -hmm. and you know, regularly write job descriptions in my head for you guys. (laughs) (laughs) This could work. But see now it's a, it's a lot. We can laugh about it now instead of cry about it. It's true. Yeah, it is true. And if Jill and I know how to do anything right, it is laugh. Like that's that I think humor is a huge part of my, my relationships. So if I can be myself and be funny and the other person find me funny too. Hey, well, I'm funny. You're funny, which is where the humor is. Cause you think it's funny. <laughs> oh, great. Okay. I kidding. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, Jill, thank you so much for, I know this was out of your comfort zone. We actually have been trying to do this for months, not knowing what it was going to look like. You were a little apprehensive about going here because again, like it's just opening up those wounds a little bit. I was a lot apprehensive about this. Yeah. Yeah. But thank you for coming on this journey with me because I feel like I needed to to share this as well. Like this has been on my heart as we have been talking about grief and every time it comes up. Yeah, I have other aspects of grief in my life and so do you. Oh, yeah. But this is a this is something new, something different that we haven't talked about yet. And so I feel like it's important that we're sharing this on this platform. Yeah, because I know others who are listening out there have been through some of these exact same feelings and emotions and um, you're not alone. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I think part of what my, my apprehension with this is being misunderstood mm. and feeling like it can be judged. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is that God made us for community. We are community people. Yep. And we need to be 
we need to be okay with where we are. Right. We need to be able to be vulnerable with each other and we need to be able to um, learn to see God in places that we might not be used to yeah. see him. And friendships are something that I, I think are not taken seriously enough. Mm. So I think that it's important. And I think that we need to start having a conversation about what true friendship really is yeah. and how, like you said, it's a, a mirror of, of how Jesus loves us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, for sure. well, thanks. Thanks for being vulnerable. There's beauty and there's bravery and vulnerability. And you have expressed both of those things today. Well, thanks for having me back on. Yeah. I'm sure I'll we'll have you again. Can... Maybe we'll just, let's just do a podcast where we just tell jokes. Okay. That would be fun. <laughs> I mean, you know, we could just be goofballs because that's what we best. Yeah. So no one would enjoy that except for nobody, us. <laughs> except for us. But you know, let's do it. Let's just do it. Let's just start our own podcast on another channel. <laughs> Jill and Heather. Actually, oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> okay. So I just want to thank Jill once again for being vulnerable and coming along with me in this conversation today. And listeners, when I tell you that she is a gift from God, that's the only way I can describe it. I'm so grateful for her friendship. We're not done. We have one more episode in this series on grief, and you're going to love this next episode coming up. Stay tuned. But that's all for today. And as I always say here, I hope that this podcast has left you feeling prepared and equipped for tomorrow. And I'll see you real soon. God bless y'all.